Hello, this is Fam Electric Ghost. We have Liza Oppenheimer on. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? So where are you actually right now? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I, I'm and just going to do <laughs> You can hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm in New Hampshire. But um, so let's uh, start off with the intro. Um, I'm Fam Electric Ghost. I'm an independent podcaster and electronic music producer. We've been doing this podcast since 2018. We just reached um, 25,000 listeners worldwide, and we've been interviewing indie artists. So I'd like to welcome Liza Oppenheimer um, to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're an indie synth pop artist, and um, we sent you a bunch of questions. Um, But I I really like the vibe of your stuff. It kind of reminds me of um, the confessional nature of like Liz Fair. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And then you know, a little bit of PJ Harvey from like Rid of Me, but you Absolutely. have a little, kind of a lighter side on it with a like comic kind of edge to it. That's maybe a little, you know, like uh, so Liz Fair and, and, and PJ Harvey have a little more dark, but you have the darkness, but you have the kind of light comedy in, in it as well, which is, is kind of comic overtones, which is. It's, it's kind of, you know, I think it's needed in this age. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you, you, uh, pick up on that it's, it can be a subtle yeah it's, and... it's cool <laughs> <laughs> thanks well, I've always, yeah yeah I, go ahead i'm uh i'm happy that you say liz fair and pj harvey that's great um liz fair was one of oh, what was the album um exile 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 yeah that was a influence on me for sure yeah, I mean, I've always been, you know, I'm a, I'm a big progressive synth head. You know, I, my heroes were like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and yes, Tony Banks, people like that, Bernie Worrell, Frank Zappa. But, you know, in the late 90s or the 90s, I started getting into, you know, like, bands like Juliana Hatfield, the Blake Babies, Liz Fair, Tony Amos, PJ Harvey. There was a lot of movement in the indie female singer-songwriter area. yeah. And Absolutely. anybody that's into good music is like, wow, there's a lot of good music being written. Um, yeah. So I was, I was kind of drawn to that. I actually thought that the women were doing a better job than some of the men. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. They were doing a lot of cool things. You know, things that Lou Reed and Dylan had done, you know, now women were doing. Um, exactly. And I, that was very refreshing and getting a different point of view. So I always start off, I, I, I see in your write-up when you started, but I always you know, ask this question because maybe, you know, you're professionally show on the scene in 2020, but when did you first get into music? Like, what age did you get into music and re- want to be a musician? Well, it, it's a tough one. I, I started performing at a very young age. I was always into musical theater and just all the performing arts. I did a lot of, um, funny enough, I did a lot of um musical theater growing up i did uh you know i was in guys and dolls when you know when i was young and annie and um and so it's and i did all you know i always sung you know i kept getting these roles i mean i don't even know why it was i really wasn't you know a very talented singer per se so but you know i just kept getting, getting these roles so i kept going going with it and I think that's where it all sort of began, um, you know, character-driven. Um, my music very character-driven and stories. And I think, and then that sort of 
got me into, I did a little bit of acting. Um, and that is a interesting business. But then I just kind of wanted to take back control of everything and just started writing my own music, having no real background of songwriting. And I was always into poetry and I just loved words. And I started just writing words and uh, putting it to very simple melodies. And um, that's, I mean, that began maybe like four years ago or longer. I don't know. That's interesting. I always um, like to get into people's motivation and music and, you know, two years talking to a lot of musicians, you know, there's like, a, there is a camp of musicians that kind of theater. Yeah. A lot of singer songwriters that like their introduction into any kind of art was doing theater. And then they, they had a lot of times they had a love for poetry and then they found an intersection between like theater, poetry and music, and then kind of doubled down on doing the music instead it's interesting right. you get you get like Lady Gaga is a very theatrical, you know, Bowie like artist. And and I think right. that's that's a that's a cool place to be because the music, if you see you know, you saw what Bowie did was this ability to bring theater into music, opened up music where you could he would become Ziggy. You know, he become right. Aladdin scene, become the thin white duke. He created all these characters and then, you know, he could change and you know, either the audience went with him or they didn't, but he 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 had that ability to change, which is you know a lot of musicians are always looking for that. And sometimes they get pigeonholed because they didn't they don't take that kind of theatrical standpoint where they become that other person. Right. Yeah. I think he he was you know fearless in that sense. Um, he kept just um, reinventing himself, and I think it's important. You know, being in entertainment business. Everybody, you know, tries to, not everybody, but they say you need to, you know, know your brand and pick your brand and you need to be really specific. And I've heard that, like, you know, from every corner. And I try to do what everybody, you know, in the very beginning, it was like, okay, okay, let me try to, you know, do that. But, you know, I think there's, you know, you got to go with, with, I mean, as an artist, you just have to go with what what you're feeling, and something may transpire, and something will not may not, you know. But I don't think that you should hold back on reinventing or retrying. I don't think you should ever do that, you know, because it's all about you know evolving and yeah, uh, human beings and artists. And I think that's what some people they get into the, into music and they have got different motivations, you know. I'm in my fifties. Everybody I got into music with when I was in 17, they all wanted to do the garage band and hoping they were going to get picked up. And then they got married and they, they stopped doing it. But I, I was kind of like, I'm a musician. I just kept on playing. I never stopped. Right. Right. And then I, you know, this year in the last year, I've been the biggest years in what I've been able to do uh, with the podcast and all my other stuff as the ghost. And it just shows like, if you just stick with it, if you're not into that overnight sensation, you do it because you love it. Then things, right. things kind of come to you because you stick with what you want to do. Um, yeah, I believe that. I mean, most people quit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I see so I have so many friends that quit, and I was like, wow, you know, you really should stuck with it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard to stick with it. Believe me, you know, when you're doing when you're putting yourself out there so vulnerably um, and you aren't, you know, you're kind of getting, you know, you haven't been exposed to huge crowds yet where you have your fan base and it's all just, you know, 
people aren't responding the you know at all and it's a little bit of like a you know yeah, it's um, juvenile juvenile like my heart is crushed but you know the the part you know what if you like just get through that that bit you know well i think it's every every singer songwriter the, the, the appeal is kind of what you you're doing is very very cool and you know what i've always tried to do is because i had a love of singer songwriters you know from an early age i grew up in the age you know i was a child of the 70s and that's all you ever heard you know with the carol kings and you know, the carpenters right. you know people you know dylan you, you saw people who were actually change in the world with their music because they were telling stories that were personal or or able to identify with people with empathy and so it wasn't just a hit it was like songs you know Carly Simon and they they would have songs they were like really that's a part of their life they're they're being honest and they're revealing themselves and you can get hurt when you do that and you, you open yourself up to a lot of criticism and all kinds of other things but I always felt that that was the music that I really hit my heart was when somebody actually took their own personal life or their failings or what was going on in their life and took it and turned it into art. Right. Well, and I mean, there isn't really much else that that can move people like that besides the truth and somebody actually kind of putting their heart on the slab for everybody to dissect, you know. Well, it's interesting that you talk about theater and, 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 you know, film, in theater and film, you get a guy, actors like De Niro and Pacino, you know, they, they, they kind of do this, you know, character, what was it, a method acting, where they become the character. They, they, they live the character. They, and in music, that happens too. Like Bowie, Bowie was that. Um, and Lady Gaga do that, does that. But it's just right. interesting when, when you take that intersection of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my own personal failures. I'm going to have this kind of inner monologue that you talk about and right. you know this being able to do that it's hard you know to, to do that in front of a crowd and kind of you have to kind of put yourself into that frame of mind where you're that other me you're looking the looking glass and you're that other version of yourself or maybe that's your real self and you're finally letting people see it <laughs> right right yeah um yeah, I think it's I think it's all of the above for sure. Yeah, because I was listening to your music. I was listening to Stink Eye. I was listening to your um, your um, your your EP, and uh, I, I was very you know drawn into what you're doing because it's this this kind of character driven you know personal driven like your best foreign language film. You know you've got a lot yeah. of good tracks on that, and I know your your new album, your new track is is really good. We're gonna get into that. But I, I really like what you did on your EP because I like to hear full, like, thoughts. Like, I think musicians are like authors. So when you, you, I got to see a complete thought with that, um, with your full project there. But Stink Eye is, is really brilliant. I like the work on that. Um, so maybe we'll get in, Thank you. into that. But I do want to talk about some of the other things I get into. But um, so you, yeah. you realized that you had a talent for music. Uh, like what in the last couple of years that you decided that you would go on and, and actually fully develop your your songs like that's in the last four years or is that like in the last well, two years I think I'm still waiting for that realization <laughs> just keep I just keep on doing it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um I don't know I think uh I, I don't think there was that moment maybe it'll come 
I just keep doing it, you, you know, I just, your, just keep, keep throwing the darts at the dart bar board, you know, <laughs> one will stick, hopefully. Well, that's um, interesting when you finally pick up, like, the pen as a writer and you get into, like, song craft and, and you start saying, you know, I am going to create my own style. And I hear your style. I mean, I hear it. And you're probably still developing because you're a new artist. But, yeah, you do have this really interesting way of bringing in this electronic and I'm a big electronic guy. You know, I, I grew up, like, again, with the new wave, you know, Duran Duran, right. like, uh, you know, Flock of Seagulls, uh, the Brian Eno type of mentality of of this, uh, you know, this very escapist, you know, synth wave, new wave, new romantic. And it, I always felt that that was a really cool place to be because you could just go anywhere. You could take funk, right. you could disco, you could take rock. And all those bands had rock elements. They had punk elements. They had, you know, jazz elements. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this genre. It's not very limiting. Right. It's it's endless. I mean, that's exactly how you make music from your bedroom now. You know, I didn't really know much about, you know, music theory or, um, you know, or even how, you know, I started to write melodies just not knowing what I was doing at all, you know. And um, I think with the electronic stuff, I started just doing some demo stuff and like half songs and, and just, you know, you go, I use logic. So you go on there. It's like yeah, endless possibilities. Ask, like, where you, what kind of doll you use? Cause some people start with like garage band and then they just oh, yeah, yeah, voice yeah. memos and then they start figuring out how to put stuff. And then they realize the limitations and they move into logic or they go into Ableton or FL studio and then once they get like a MIDI controller and they get a little keyboard, then they realize, wow, I can actually put the drum tracks down. I can do the bass. I can do the pads. I can kind of map out this whole thing. Is that right, kind of right. what happened it's to you that, that you found out that you could actually get a PC and the MIDI controller and then actually even mic and start doing your demos? Or do you bring more rough demos to a producer? Hello? You still there? Oh, I don't hear you. Did we lose you? Your signal? I guess I was talking about, like, uh, you know, how you use your DAW and how much of the work you do yourself for your demos before you get to a producer. How much do you kind of craft your song? Um, Well, the EP, um, I did start with GarageBand first. And I all of those songs I had... Some were fully written, some were half songs. One one song was not uh, Love Me hadn't been written yet. But um, I do demos. And to be honest with you, I've, I am not the best producer. <laughs> I, have to, I am just like, I get so overwhelmed with all the things. And so I will do on a MIDI. I will just, you know, pick the, pick the notes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And it'll be really basic. I mean, it would be fun maybe eventually to release the demos of Best Foreign Language Film, my EP, um, because I recently went back to see, you know, just to like clean my computer out. And I had all these demos of all those songs. And it was really sort of uh, sweet to hear where, where it started, you know. And where it where it went with the with the producer. So well, as a music fan, I always do like to look at the original demos that artists has because demos, you know, a lot of artists can be very self critical of their you know original work, and then fans can find 
a lot of beauty in the simplistic nature of some demos. Oh, yeah. Or the raw nature and honesty of a demo. The one thing I would always say is that you don't necessarily have to be the great greatest guitar player or keyboardist in the world if you put down a song that has a lot of feeling. It's the feeling yeah. and, and, the, and the voice of that artist that can make that, you know, you don't have to be Jimmy Page, you don't have to be Hendrix, you don't have to be Tori Amos, you don't have to be a Dino Ross, you don't have to have that capability to do something that can really pull the heartstrings. And some people, right. you know, don't realize that, you know, the nature of the beauty of their own music. <laughs> right, I agree with you, I agree. Um, and I, I, I thought about that recently, about just maybe just putting some songs out that, are, that I've just done, you know? Yeah, maybe um, put them on SoundCloud or something so people could check them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think the whole point of the exercise is to move people, you know, entertainment, music, you know, movies, everything. It's it's not really – it's great when everything it looks professional and sounds professional, but it's really about – moving people that's all it is you know it's it's making people feel something this is why people listen to music this is why people go to movies to to feel something and get out of their own you know yeah, was, mind yeah. for a minute i mean i was watching a documentary on elton john and the yellow brick road album and it was interesting that they they they, they had this house where they would put together the tracks in france and a lot of times it was the first or second take that was the one they put on the record, even if they did right. like 10 or 12, because they go back and say, you know, that, that, that one's the most honest. Right. And I think sometimes in this world of, of the DAW and people trying to make everything perfect and pitch perfect and BPM perfect, and they forget that some of the greatest albums ever done, it's like the first or second take. <laughs> right. It's so true. It's so true. I think, yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of pop music now, is just the opposite of that you know as good as it is and, and um popular as it is it's a lot of like you know technical perfection which i sometimes get a bit turned off by you know i kind yeah, of want think, to yeah. i want to hear the grit i want yeah, to hear I like the, your, the mistakes your work what i like about it is you got that raw nature kind of like a punk aesthetic that i i hear kind of like the pj harvey in, in you know in the liz fair in that the cool thing about those artists, they have this kind of lo-fi um, right. mentality as singer-songwriters where the earlier Liz Fair, like Exile I main, you know, I'm from Guybrill, is not oh, so good. It's not like a perfect recording today. A lot of producers would say, well, that's just demos. And I've actually Oh heard, yeah, I've, yeah. And I've heard the girly sound and those are demos. <laughs> the original right. the original but the original girly sound and what ended up being on that album, they're not that far off. I mean a lot of the right. songs are like pretty close to the demo. And yeah, I think it's the nature of, of, of that kind of less produced, you know, willing to have the happy accidents that I call. You know, when you do right. something more raw and you have a happy accident, they record change you weren't supposed to make or you change a key or you make a little bit of a mistake on the rhythm. That kind of like drives the character of the music. Right. And when you EQ or you produce that out, it becomes too antiseptic. You know, it, it sounds perfect, right. But, right, it's, but it's too clean. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's too, too clean. clean. It's like going to be PJ Harvey. It's not going to be like a, like the Clash. You know, people like, right. you hear a lot of these rock bands today. And it's like, and I always remind the kids that I work with some kids like, go listen to the first couple Clash records 
and tell me that you really need to be cleaning this up and you're doing <laughs> you know because if you really want to raw, sound raw you, get, you know you look at that you know that that has like real power you know well yeah you know maybe maybe there's a there's a moment maybe with all this going on maybe there's a time for to get back to that you know get back to yeah i love music (laughs) that's that's more like that you know because i don't really i was trying to figure out where music was headed and it can't get more perfect it's still it's like perfect you know all the all the they're all it's like scientific you know which is great you know but i wonder i wonder if there's a time now to everybody's just stripping down you know well, I think because some people can't get in the studio and people are in their bedrooms right. and their garages, the last couple of bands I've interviewed in the last three weeks have been kind of going toward, and maybe I should stop trying to make it as as perfect. You know, maybe I should kind of go back to that kind of, you know, Paul Westerberg, you know, replacement, like an early U2, early REM, you know, yeah. like the old indie label thing back in the 90s. I grew up with like when REM, before they went to Warner's. And they had Michael Stipe, and you didn't really know what he was saying. Right. But I was like, well, you know, those early REM albums, I kind of like those. Because before, oh, yeah, yeah. before he really started enunciating his words, there was this mystery. That you're mm-hmm. like, okay, what is he really saying? And it was kind of cool that, that you didn't know. And it was, it was kind of like, I didn't need it to be so clear that when he got to Warner Brothers, then it was really clear. It's not that those songs are bad, but I, I always thought the IRS stuff was better. Um, yeah yeah well i like your taste (laughs) (laughs) i do it's funny because i did i went back recently i was having a moment and i was going i went back to exile and guyville it's funny that you mentioned that first um because i wanted to to feel uh okay again about because i i mean her you know even her voice on it is so just like garage you know yeah and i love it And, and there's nothing about it that that turns me off about her voice you know even though it's not it doesn't sound perfect at all no. you know and I've, I mean I've never claimed to be a singer yeah yeah you know I'm more of like a vocalist and a writer and I just try to best portray my point of view of the world but um but yeah that that album really yeah. um, I mean, inspired I me it inspired me I really do hear that what I loved about Liz that she didn't care she wasn't trying to be like pitch perfect female voice, you know. Yeah. She was going for the that you know. Look at Dylan. Dylan doesn't have the most perfect singing voice, and I could I could point out some examples of Dylan actually being able to sing really good, like Nashville Skyline. You know, he actually did some really good vocal work, and a lot of people always talk about how his work is not that great. But you know, B- Dylan can actually make his voice sound really good when he wants to, right. like like what traditional singer. But a lot of times he didn't want to do it that way. He wanted to do something that was really different and focus really on the lyrics, focus on the song more than the voice. And I think that's what singer songwriters do. And, you know, it, when you get, you know, artists like Liz Fair and artists like yourself, you can get to the heart of what you're doing because you're telling a story, you know, and you have your own, you know, sensibilities about how you do it. And that's more important than, than trying to do a beat driven, like clip driven music you think you're you're a singer songwriter so you're telling a story you know yeah i i mean i tried to go that route for a while you know tried to you know research what the scientific you know equation was um (laughs) (laughs) and you know i 
Go haven't put those so- I haven't put those song out those songs out so. Um. Well, I like Stink Eye and the, and everything that's on your EP is 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 like what I like to hear. Like I like Juliana Hatfield and the Blake Babies. They do the same kind of thing. Um, if if you ever been into them, and I just really like, you know, lately I mean I, I'm very heavy into a lot of female singer songwriters. You know, like Sleater Keeney and uh, Wild Flag and Lust. It's just uh, to me, it's just it's coming from a different place, and I I've been a progressive musician, right? I like to mix jazz and funk and rock and so anybody that's doing something unique is a draw for me um right and so when i i a lot of the people i interview i happen to interview like 70 percent of the people i interview are female artists because it seems like the female artists are actually doing stuff that's different they're actually doing a lot of cool work you know more female writers and artists are doing innovative work right now to my in my opinion um than some of the male counterparts. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it'd be cool to see some guys do something that I really dig. But, but, but there are more women doing <laughs> things like, I dig right now. <laughs> you're like, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, please. Yeah. Um, so so when, when you get to your own influences and reference points, who would you say are your biggest inspirations or people that you would like name check as inspirations? Bowie, Bowie, um blondie yeah i hear blondie too yeah uh dylan was a huge huge i mean my dad played dylan growing up like yeah. all the time um huge influence you know with words just words and music um i started just doing you know spoken word and, and over me over just sounds that's how it began but um yeah i was the biggest influence is definitely bowie i don't know why it's just he yeah, bowie's a big drug. i think the humor the humor of it all and the the um i my favorite bowie album is hunky dory oh, i don't great. know that's a great album it's just so good <laughs> so good I, I was listening to his work with, with lou reed on transformer yeah and uh I just like that kind of intersection between Lou and Bowie because, you know, Lou was like a, like a Bob Dylan. He's like, yeah. you know, the, Velvet, the Velvet Underground stuff was like phenomenal. I have all the Velvet stuff, but he had this kind of dry sense of humor and this kind of way to, you know, document, you know, the, the, the life in New York and maybe parts right. of life that people don't really wouldn't want to put in songs. And then I was like, wow, it's, you know, he's doing a Dylan, but he's bringing it to like the dark side of the street. And I'm like, that's that's kind of cool. And then he, when the interface with Bowie, kind of brought that glam thing in too. And so he had right. kind of glam, dark edge of the street, and it's really interesting. And it, it it was a big draw for me for a lot of years. Like everything that Bowie and and, and Lou did, the two guys, yeah. both the two guys, I was really drawn into, and still, you know, probably get a lot of inspiration from. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I agree. It's it's just it's just storytelling. That's that's what gets it for me, you know. It's just storytelling, and and um, I think yeah. Bowie had a track called. Have you heard the um, "Please, Mister Gravedigger"? Oh yeah, it's a good track. And it's just it's just uh whatever ambient. Actually, it's not even music. It's just sort yeah. of sound sound effects of him just going da 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 da. Great, please, Miss Grave Digger. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, so, like it just floors me, you know, because I'm just like that. It just, it just moves. Yeah, it moves me. I don't know. 
Yeah, I was reading so, about your stream of consciousness. You don't, you'd like to do kind of a stream of consciousness or like, a, you know, just kind of like, yeah, you're saying like your song Love Me was like stream of consciousness. And that's really interesting because a lot of what I do is I like to do improvisational like jazz fusion stream of consciousness. When I do lyric writing, I just yeah. roll, roll the tape and then kind of feel whatever it's going to be. And I've always been inspired, you know, my, I have an alter ego, Josephine Electric, that I create with all my, my vocoders. <laughs> right, cool, cool. So, so I kind of been, for years, I, you know, made my fictional lead singer, Josephine Electric, which is a female kind of part of me, create these stories. And she, That's awesome. And she just gets into this character, and I can use this technology, instead of using it to do, like, uh, you know, pitch perfect, you know, work i used it to transform my voice into like a theater character like like ziggy or like uh, princess camille or like uh yeah or like funkadelic sir no knows I, I was like okay that's what i want to do so i kind of like read read up on what you know george clinton did with sir knows what finch did with camille and i said okay this is what i'm gonna do i really didn't like my male voice so i said well i'm gonna create this female version of myself and then get into her character and make her the lead singer of my band. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. But by the way, you do have a great voice. I don't know about the singing, but you have a really great male voice. Well, so I use it. Maybe, I use maybe it you should reconsider. I do. I use it maybe <laughs> like maybe ten percent of the fam electric ghost songs have my voice, and ninety yeah. percent have Josephine's voice, which is my voice pitched up to soprano. But um. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just my choice. I've been lately getting more comfortable. I've released a bunch of songs that actually have my my closer to my, my male voice on it. But yeah, it's just kind of like the character thing. And and I, I was just really interested in your stream of consciousness style, like what your, your write-up. So maybe you want to talk more about like how you approach that uh, in some of your songs. Okay. Yeah, well... It's really does start with a few lines usually. Like I have my notes on my phone, the the app, whatever, iPhone app on notes. Like every day, I'm just constantly writing down like two lines, you know, four lines. So um, there's just probably like thousands of notes. Um, but then once in a while, something will hit me and then I'll take it and I'll write the words out and then I'll start to sort and then I use my voice notes and then I start to um, re record melodies and so I have I definitely reference go back and look for things like if I have four lines that I love and I'm like okay I feel like I've I've I, I wrote something similar to that let me go see if I can find and then I sort of shapes together. I mean, some of my songs are actual like letters to people, you know, some, yeah. some of my stuff is, you know, I don't know. I've always just been so poetry drawn and I always, I don't know why, I don't know if you agree, but there's always been a, my upbringing or growing up is not upbringing, not family, but like the world I grew up in is like, Oh, like poetry is really, you know, cheesy or, you know, <laughs> And so I never really, and, but once they started putting it to music, it was like, oh, I get it. I found a way to, to do this yeah. where, where people aren't cringing. Um, so I'm not, you know, 
yeah. I would love I would love to just write pure poetry. That would be maybe that's something I'll do one day. I'll write a poetry book. But um but yeah, that's how it starts. Usually I'm not I'm not a very technical writer. I'm more of just a um voice note melody and <laughs> iPhone note sort of, you know, jotting down ideas and then putting them together. Well, I was in, it's interesting because I was reading about like "Love Love Me" is a stream of consciousness song that you wrote up. They, you said it was like a, an email that you never planned to send, which is yeah. kind of like a Motown theme. There's like the letter never sent. Tons of Motown <laughs> that's like soul songs kind of have that idea. That I'm gonna yeah. write this letter, you know, the shy lights, you know, you know, uh, Mo, you know, like like all the Barbara Gay. You can find tons of like real famous old soul songs that kind of start with that idea um right but but it's it's interesting with the, with the stream of consciousness how you can do that I, I was watching like a documentary on tom petty and he yeah. was saying that a lot of the stuff he would come up with a lot of the guys in the band didn't realize that he was just kind of winging it. like you know he, <laughs> he, a, there was a documentary i saw where they say even losers get lucky sometimes he, he that's that song he actually was just humming out the melody. He didn't know what the words were going to be. Then he told the band, well, just go into it, right? Because they would play live as a full piece when they were putting stuff down. And they just started right. doing it. And he kind of hummed out the military melody on the first one take. Then on the second take, he said, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And he threw that line out. And then he yeah. well, kind of built the whole song. And then the kind of stream of consciousness went together. And, that's and, amazing. That's and amazing. I, I think that's what a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people get. Like, all oh, these guys are, are really doing all this deep work and and it is deep work probably in their head um you know to be a guy like that but a lot of music is that kind of hit or miss you know you're you're laying something down and you get the feeling and it just works uh and you know it kind of comes out of the muse you know a lot of poets talk about the muse and you know i took right. courses when i was in college about the romantic poets like blake and tennyson and wordsworth and all a lot of those guys like they felt they would write about well, how did they do what they were doing? And they would say, well, like a lot of it just comes from the muse, which means it kind of comes from the middle of the thin air. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think that's true. However, I think that the work is, is like, I think that I've been working at this my whole life. Like the work has been done. It's like 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then, and then, and then that, that magic seems to come where you think of something or you write a song in like a minute, you know? But the, all the work has been like 10 years of leading up to that moment and putting everything in line, putting your thoughts in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot and of it, stuff and like the, the magic. Head. Yeah. Yeah. It's already there. Like, you know, people, you know, they say, oh, you know, it was like, oh, they wrote a song in a day. But no, it was like a, probably 10 years in the making of that well, song. Yeah, <laughs> of, re, of like your subconscious thinking about the idea and thinking about you know, and sort of challenging yourself and why this and this and this. So that's my theory. Yeah, I think it's your life experience, you know, as, as, as a musician, every musician, you know, from the, from the, you know, the singer to the, you know, drummer, they take their life experience. And then suddenly what happens is they can hear a collection of notes together. And then right. so, suddenly like, you know, because like when I played with bands, the, I write a bass line, but then when I brought the whole song to, to, to the band, and I had my chords on my piano, and then the bass player said, "Well, you know, this really sounds better, you know, or this fits." I hear this, and I was right. like, "Okay, well, I go with what the bass player because he's a bass player," and he just like took it and he 
interprets it and, and the drummer would interpret it. Everybody interprets like what, what it feels like. And, you know, they, they, it's their whole life experience up to that point. And then people act like, well, it came out of nowhere. But like you said, it isn't really nowhere. It's all the work you've been doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a life, it's a lifetime's worth of work. I swear. And, it might and I like, think that, yeah. that has to do with faith. You know, I think yeah. you have to have faith in yourself and that, you know, cause like sometimes I'm like, whoa that was shit you know what I mean what the hell? you know I've I'm literally lost all faith in myself to write a song you know like and you go through that but you know the, that's part of the work that leads up to the great idea you know yeah for every you know idea that doesn't work you know you've got the ideas that do work and the thing with songwriters you always take the risk you know that you put like all this down you know all your notebooks and your scraps and if you're like a you know player like me like i got tapes and tapes and tapes of stuff and then right. you kind of go through them and say okay well this works with that and i was watching i always like like you know reading about musicians i was reading about frank zappa and frank zappa and the mothers of invention like a great band he used to tape like everything he did right he would just have tape rolling all the time they'd go home and and then start like splicing performances from one year or one thing with the next and say well this is where i hear the groove and so he would right. he'd just take all that life's work and then find the best moments and say oh here's the song wow. he's like, and he would just you know a lot i've actually read about a lot of musicians actually just recording all the time and running tapes like neil young was famous for doing that um yeah they would just they just put stuff down and then they find the inspiration and stuff that they forgot about or they just put down and they listen to it one day and say, oh, there it is. And then they, they actually find the song because they just put it down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. I've You know, I've tried to go through my voice. Notes. It's hard, though. It's hard to listen. I wish there was a better. I don't know. I don't know maybe somebody has a, a suggest a suggestion for that. Like a better app for um, voice noting and organizing, because like I just, you know, I have all these voice notes. Yeah, could be huge hits in there. <laughs> well, I guess you just have to throw them all into like logic or throw them into your thing, and then kind of start splicing them when you can. Is it, is yeah. it better if they if they made like a better iPhone app that maybe could do that for you, so you could bring the whole thing into into Logic or Ableton or and just easily, you know, yeah. separate them out. Maybe I'll make an app. For that. <laughs> It's a good idea. I'm always looking for something, like especially in this Corona time. I'm always looking for a collaborative type of, <laughs> like a collaborative DAW. So, so yeah. like if, you, if you were sitting in Los Angeles and somebody's in Denver, and then I'm in New Hampshire, the drummer could be like in Denver, you could be in LA, and I'd be here, and we could all go into a session, and it's like oh, we're yeah. in the studio and and actually do something live. There's an idea. Yeah, well, I've, I've been thinking that's a really good. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't publish this. Someone's going to steal it. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm a, dollars. <laughs> well, I'm an IT guy myself. But my main. Game, oh, there but, you go. <laughs> but but my whole thing is like you know that is something that's really needed. So I'll throw it out there for free. So any developer listening, that's what you yeah. can work on. Um, so noble of you. I like it. Um, yeah. So you guys, some really cool, cool material. But Stink Guy is your latest song and it's you say it's a it's like an unapologetic uh like talk about your inner monologue and that dead-end journey so maybe kind of talk about like how you came to that song well 
LA is a big theme in my music. Um, but that came about my co-writer and producer Jared Walker. He goes by Black Ferrari. He had he actually it was the first time that actually the first time we ever worked together. And a friend introduced us, and we just kind of decided to write, you know. And he actually had that sort of groove already. Um, and so then I, I just sat down in um, Logic with the headphones and the microphone, and I literally just, it was just ad lib, everything. So you riffed it um, through my consciousness type of thing. Yeah, it was it was like that, and it, it, but I did it maybe about ten times. Mm-hmm. So it would go like, da, 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 and like little little bits like faces, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and it's it really started like that, and it was a really cool experience because I had never done that over you know a track before. You know, I'd always just come up with stuff and sort of like finger the you know put my finger on the bored and try to figure out melodies but but this was a really cool track and i he like left the room and i just sat there with headphones and a microphone and um we did that and then we left it for a while um and again this la theme kept popping up and i think we got together a few more times and um i just i really wanted to you know the story is is pretty clear you know i wanted to sort of talk about what it is to be a failure in la <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. and to 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 not make it a sad story even though it, it kind of is but to be like this is, this is what i've done this is who i am and um kind of take the piss out of myself you know I, i'm a big believer in that it's like you know we all we you know we all try to keep up images especially in the social media world and I kind of wanted to write a song that was just like yep not going not going too well <laughs> you know yeah that's so, kind of reminds me like a velvet underground like a modern velvet underground approach because I mean yeah. that's what Lou, Lou used to really be able to do that um and some people are today seem to be kind of scared of that you know that kind of level of honesty they, they, yeah they like to build up all this bravado you know, right. and they created all these characters that are kind of like, you know, not not as much of a, like, more not really the truth. And it's cool to actually find you doing you know, more of a truth tell um, in, in your music and, and being, you know, honest about your feelings. And, and a lot of people don't like to talk about that. You know, maybe they'll talk about like a failed romance. And that's kind of like everybody has seen, heard that like a million times. But yeah, but they kind of get into the, the the deeper dynamics of your own like psyche of your own personal life. That's a little harder to do. Um, I wonder why that is. I wonder because you're right. It is. It's easier to sort of express your pain over a breakup. Like yeah, but it's really hard to express the pain over over failing. You know, I don't think. I think you're right. I don't know. I it's, it would be interesting to sort of. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, Johnny Cash was good at doing that. He he would get into his personal failings, you know, and that was the kind of his appeal that yeah. that he would, you know, this kind of man in black, he's going toward the dark side of life, 
you know, he had, you know, problems. He was pretty open with his issues with drug addiction and, you know, all kinds of addictions he had, and he would put it into his music. And, and right. it's kind of like he, he had this struggle through his whole life and it's in his music and it's really yeah. honest. And that's the kind of country music I kind of like, well, that to me is the measure of that genre is can you be as honest as Johnny? <laughs> right, and, I like if, that. and if you're not then I'm like I don't know if I'm really gonna listen because like that that's like the standard bearer to me <laughs> <laughs> I love that I'm gonna, I'm gonna start thinking about that I'm gonna write that quote down but it's like uh, that, that's what I always I've always driven into that because I'm looking for you know I think listening to music is like reading the great American novel when you get a really good songwriter then you really can be moved right and maybe not just move to move your feet but like move your soul, move your heart. Because, yeah. you know, that's kind of what I'm after when I listen to me. Some people, you know, they want something to exercise to. They want something to kind of zone out to and they maybe they don't need that. But but you know, I'm I'm kind of a music fan that loves to listen to to somebody, you know, talking about like a love letter to failure. <laughs> right. No, I think that's that, like I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I just I want to laugh or cry if it's not one of those i don't yeah. i find myself not so interested that's how i feel about music you know but maybe i'm self-indulgent that way i don't know no i think it's a good place to be because i think people want that you know and uh, what i like about it is that you kind of have this laugh out loud inappropriateness but also this kind of darkness so you're, you're kind of getting this kind of graham parsons johnny cash liz fair honesty but you got this kind of quirkiness and then you've got this new wave sound. It kind of reminds me of Blondie and moving pictures and bands like that. Um, and, and that's cool because I like genre bending, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I always try to figure out a way to sort of, yeah. Well, you know, at, for, at first I was like, it's just genreless. And as I was saying, it, it was, it was, it was very genreless before. I mean, you know, the demos of this EP uh, were just, you know, and I would send it out to people and labels and managers and um, everybody, no, nobody got it, you know, <laughs> like, where do we put you, you know? Um, so I ended up just doing it like, on, you know, independently with a producer. Um, but, but I do, but having had that experience, I'm more, I, I want to own that more now, you know, I want to be like, okay, well, it was genreless to start with. You know, and then I kind of tailored it up to be a little bit uh, more, you know, palatable for a genre or whatever. But I'm wondering maybe now what what would be like to just smash all the rules and see what what happens then. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of when I started, I created the expansive sound experiments as this kind of genreless thing. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if you're into jazz or progressive music, it's always been this kind of combination of funk and rock and psychedelia and classical and that's kind of where i you know as a keyboardist that's where i always wanted to kind of go because it gives you more to work with if you right. if you can kind of go in a jazz way where you're you're moving toward like miles davis stuff and then you can move toward like parliament and then you could do some stuff like yes then you you can go anywhere and then right. nobody can really pin you down because if you say well like it's expansive what does that mean it means it's everything <laughs> right 
And then, then they said, what does that mean? It's what means what I said. It's like, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then, then, then you can't be pinned down and people get like, wow, that's going to be, I guess it's going to be everything. <laughs> well, I think it's cool. I think it's good to broaden people's minds a little bit, you know, maybe there's a whole genre that we don't know about that could be discovered through doing genreless music, you know? Well, more and more people seem to be doing it. More bands I talk to are kind of, I just talked to a band that had like a hip hop vocalist lyricist and they were a psychedelic, like progressive rock unit. And they were were playing like Pink Floyd, like rock with like this hip hop vocal, this kind of like a Jay-Z vocal over Pink Floyd. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. And then that's what you find when you look in the indie genre and, and, you know, that's, they, they were running into issues where, you know, nobody knew where to put them. But that's kind of like, well, this is where they want to be. And you, you find your audience worldwide. You know, you get you, people. You, the one cool thing about the industry today is like you get out there on Spotify, you get down on SoundCloud, somebody in Berlin hears it, and then you get invited to go to Berlin. You know, right, you, you get invited, right. people dig you. And you kind of got to be willing, you know, if we weren't in COVID, <laughs> to go where <laughs> go where your audience is you know because that's kind of like we finally got a booking agent after all these years and now we can't go to europe and they won't let us in <laughs> oh man but but but, yeah. but but we've been able to do other things but we're, we're happy but eventually you know when it opens up then you know that's what our goal is because it you know it seems like the european audiences and the asian audiences are more into stuff that's different you know, if you go, yeah. if you go to Berlin, you you can do the kind of work you're doing. You know, you can do the kind of work I'm doing. If you go to like Seoul, you go to Tokyo, people are into the kind of stuff we're doing because the fans there are more open. Um, yeah, to, to- I, I I've been told that too. Yeah, I have a, a few friends in all over Europe, and they always say like, "Come to do this in London or you know, yeah, Berlin." Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. People forget it. Hendrix had to go to London to get discovered. And he'd been playing on what they call the Chitlin circuit forever behind Isley Brothers and Lil Richard, and he couldn't get traction. So he actually went to England and Chad Chandler, the manager of the, of the animals, presented him. And then Paul McCartney and Lennon saw him playing in a club in London. And boom, it was like it was all set. But, he, you know, he'd been struggling through the early <laughs> 60s, like 63, 60, before 66. You know, he's like one of the best guitarists in the world. And he, he was just backing like the Ozzy Brothers. Not that that's a bad gig, but it's not what he ended up doing, you know. Right, um, right. So it's like, it's interesting that he had to go to London. And he had been in the U.S. playing the same way in like 64. But he had to go to London in 66 to get found. Um, wow, that's amazing! So, yeah. So people that say like you know the best guitar player in the whole world couldn't get appreciated in America until he went to London. <laughs> right. That's that's crazy, right? Yeah. So that's why you shouldn't be discouraged because it's like well you have to really create no boundaries for your art, you know. And the cool thing I think about the least uh, the, the streaming services, like the benefit is that the whole world gets to hear you, and then right. then you never know. If some manager or some art, you know, like some guy looking for talent suddenly here, you know, here's this podcast, listen to your music and then boom, you, you get another opportunity. And that's kind of like why I do this show, because I think there needs to be more opportunities for artists 
to be fully understood and in the work put out there. Um, right. Yeah. I think it's great. I love, it's been a pleasure. Um, I love that you're doing this. This is, I was listening to the one that you sent me. I think it's a great idea. It's exciting. It's, it's always, it's always nice to talk to someone who's interested in the music and, um, yeah. So, so were you doing live shows before COVID? Have you been doing anything in your area or did it all kind of happen right when you wanted to do that? I have, I've performed all over LA a bit. Um, that was, it was, that was before my EP came out. Um, but I actually, I did have a couple shows lined up and then COVID hit. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the story. Everybody tell me that story. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, um, yeah, I gotta you, you, know, yeah, you gotta right. in, innovate and figure out how to perform. You know, obviously, have, have you found, like yeah, have you found new ways to um, you know, go online and do like like performances through live streaming or linking up with uh, you know what's what's going on like on YouTube and and Vimeo yeah, and I've been mostly doing little videos like music. Clip, video, music video clips mm-hmm. um you know I, i'm kind of br- like playing with some ideas on how to um do that which i won't say yet but i am mm-hmm. thinking about starting something that will be it. more of a performance thing um because it, it's a great it's a great medium to to get stuff out right now you know people yeah. i'm sure i think like even like movies and shows are the sh- the productions are being shut down so people are going to need entertainment you know yeah and um so yeah i'm working on that i want to try to figure out a way to do it are it's, you thinking of bringing your theatrical training to bear like doing a more bowie-esque theatrical kind of uh, stage <laughs> stagecraft which seems like maybe your, yeah seems like seems like your pictures are kind of in the vein is that you have like the stagecraft to your photos and your instagram that that has a vibe it would you know would you continue that that kind of vibe in how you perform or do video absolutely um i'm always you know i'm always just sort of doing and like the ideas that come into my head like because i love i mean just art period i love expressing you know a story through a photo you know so yeah absolutely i think before when i had all these shows lined up this year i was i was thinking of, of what to do on stage that could sort of be a um like a mini play you know but singing singing my yeah. my songs so i'm i'm definitely working on how to do that at home <laughs> and i think that's yeah. it's it's currently coming out in photos cuz i just keep do keep so now I have to trans- transmute that to be a live show, pretty well, much. Well, I love your photos. So. I think you really capture, like, a whole scene. You've got this, like, this vibe that's very cool. It's kind of, like, a, it's kind of, like I said, it's Bowie-esque. It's Lady Gaga-like. It's, it's kind of got that, like, that Liz Fair attitude and um, the PJ Harvey kind of vibe, too, which she, she has a lot of that attitude that I see you 
kind of continuing. And that, that's cool. I, I always like that kind of punkish attitude. Um, but thank it's, you. It's, thank it's, you. It's just the, you know, I, I've been doing like live performance before all this stuff happened in my bedroom studio. I was always doing Facebook lives and Twitches. And, you know, I've just been buying more equipment just because I've been getting, you know, more and more stuff to do it. But yeah, there's a lot you can do from home with some of the stuff that's out there now. There's a lot of, you can do multiple camera shots with some low, lower priced equipment. They can do automatic switching of cameras and you can do all kinds oh, of I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing like live little shows and, you know, sometimes I'll get, you know, only three, four or 5,000 people listening. Um, and, you know, that's pretty cool because when I go to New York, I was doing clubs that only at three or 400. And I was like, wow, right. that's a lot bigger than what I was doing in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's but, so cool, though, isn't it? It's, it's really, yeah. it's amazing. It's Yeah. I mean, you're, you're surprised. It's like if you start doing it and it's a cool way to kind of practice for the real world. You know, if you can get a, uh, you can, if you can do a live show on Facebook or Twitch, and you start to perfect it when you go to bring it on the road you can just kind of replicate what you were doing um right and and you live can kind of get you know some some chops in uh being a one man a one person band um i'm able to kind of just like work out a lot of ideas and you know the technology for doing streaming now is getting better and better uh because we're actually even moving to a video version of this podcast where we we kind of do it simultaneously we have the ability to do video interviews now and we're, oh, cool. we're moving, we're moving into that because there are some bands that want have been asking us about that and the ability to do stuff live. Like when we do a video podcast, it actually live streams on our Facebook. And so, oh, people, wow, yeah. so people who have been up for years, we've been doing these audio ones and then people say, well, that's, it's not live. And they kind of wanted it to be live, but it's not. Um, and the video one is. And so then, you know, but some bands have found out, well, maybe I don't want to do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, like, can you text me a photo of what you look like right now? Yeah, they don't want to do the video because they want to be like in their pajamas. And they don't want to care about their looks. <laughs> they don't want people to see that they, they haven't got any sleep and they haven't, been do, you know, and they, so they, they like, they like doing the other one because they don't want to have to worry so much. So yeah, there's different yeah. Pro, pros and cons to doing a video versus the audio. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Well, I'm, you know, I'm vain enough for that. So if you want to test, test that on me, we can do a video interview in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're trying to get more people. We've done about four of them so far compared to like, the 300 we've done the other way <laughs> um right right yeah well video is fun i mean video live is fun i i get why people i don't i haven't done like anything live on instagram or anything but um i get people wanting me to but um it's it's a fascinating thing you know that you can just pick up and just be live for the world in like two seconds and um, i'm sure yeah. it's yeah, discouraging I mean, it's, for some people because it's like oh my god what if i say something or you know but you have to kind of build a stagecraft you know when i do when i go ghost live i have an led costume with an led face mask and my phantom mask and my led shoes and my purple light and you know it's just it's a totally different thing you know it, amazing it, it, and this cool stuff, I mean, I use a Roland Go mixer that allows me to get a good soundboard signal off all my rig. And, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do that, you know, the technology has gotten cheaper um, to be able to do pretty good audio and pretty decent video 
Uh, you just got, you know, you just get some tripods and stuff just to hold stuff in a good angle. But yeah, I've been, you know, compared to going to New York, the only thing I would say the live performance on the net that's missing is the feedback from the crowd. Because, like, when right. you go to New York, you know, I've been to Boston and New York, and it's that feedback that when you got that 400 people in the crowd in a small venue, that, that kind of drives, I think, an artist. You know, but I've, I have found that I like getting that crowd feedback. Well, you know, for, you know, not force me, but get me into the mood to play, you know, based on what the crowd's doing. Right. And that if you don't right. have that right. feedback, you're kind of doing it okay, I'm going to do this, but you're not really getting like real-time feedback. So it makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, like, yeah, there could be pros and cons of that, you know, because what if you have an audience that isn't reacting? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like you got, they got to make a way <laughs> for me to see those lights like coming yeah. to my ear earpiece as like claps or something. Right. <laughs> so like, I can, so I can just, hear the hear the lights and claps, and I know. Or just video. Are. Do like some video shots and put some claps in there where you, yeah, wherever yeah. you want it. Yeah. There you go. At least you could hear, hear the crowd or something, <laughs> so you know that they're they're digging it or something. You know, there's a way to do it. I haven't seen anybody try that yet, but uh, yeah. that'd be kind of cool. But you know, otherwise, I mean, you, you just do it like you like you rehearsed it. And then you're kind of, okay, whatever, it's going to be what it is. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So what what do you think about the future of, of, of music, you know, in terms of, like, where do you think it's going? Um, um, like, you mean in terms of, in style or? Well, it's a lot of ways or... you can look at it. Like, it, you can look at it from like the streaming service versus being on a label, or or oh, the idea yeah. or idea of like like what how music is valued or not valued, you know, by this generation, you know, as fans. You like a lot of bands right now because they can't play shows, you know, that's how bands make money. Uh, and if you can't oh, yeah, get, yeah. get in your van and do the gig, um then you're not making the kind of income that you normally would during the summer, you know, and, and that is um, kind of a big hit because the record labels don't really pay like they used to. <laughs> right. Oh, I think, I think it's interesting. I, I, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's, it's hard to answer that, but I do feel, you know, it will just get more and more, you know, how, how it has been. It's just so much more saturated now. You have so many amazing artists that can reach people publicly now, you know? Like, I think that the day, maybe the days of one big giant pop star may be done, you know? Because mm -hmm. there's so many little niche markets, you know, or niche, you know, groups that like different sort of, you know, um, non-pop music that I don't maybe maybe the days of a label building up uh, like a Madonna are are done you know yeah for for better or for worse I don't know but you know you hear about you know the 60s 70s 80s huge huge pop stars you know what I mean but that was yeah. you know we didn't have all this saturation of like artists and that in you know it was well, the label ta tailored yeah. to build these people yeah. up yeah, the labels were the gatekeepers, so they'd have like the Led Zeppelin, or you have the Journeys of the World, and they'd have a whole machine with the, you know, a jet for the band, tour buses, you know, roadies with semis, 
and they're doing these massive football stadium tours and they're like okay that's the way the industry was but it really kept a lot of people out and so now what you have is you don't have that kind of elite group of a-level artists now you have everybody that was maybe at the entry level and or at the niche level or you know just like a following kind of like what the dead did you know kind of going back the Grateful Dead were never super big in terms of making money until they did like American Beauty, but they were just a touring band, you know, and it had a right. hip home wherever they went. Um, and that was, you know, because they built a reputation. And I think you see that with bands like Brockhampton, you know, Odd Future with um, the whole, um, you know, uh, the, the Camp Flognaw. You see like, like bands creating their own collectives. And having like-minded bands then build up this collective and then suddenly they have a community. It reminds me of like right. they, they build these, right. these communities and then then that kind of becomes self-fulfilling. And, and then you bang, you have a whole base of people like artists and photographers and musicians and, you know, poets. Everybody's just all in this group of like-minded artists that build these collectives like I think that seems right. to be kind of the future where things are going is that that's the power of, of the art, that that's what you do to kind of make your own way. Yeah. And I think that going along with that, I think that, that the audience is now in charge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's more like the demand of the audience than, you know, one artist sort of paving a way to, to what they want to do. Maybe, I don't know, but um, you know, what the, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I think, but I, think I hopefully. People, yeah, <laughs> it just, yeah. It just seems like the only way for artists to get going out there is like you got to find other ways to get your music. You know, you got to get into collectives. You got to do you know licensing. You got to get right. your stuff. You know, you got to do merchandise. They do sell T-shirts. It is kind of sad that a band can sell more T-shirts than they do records. Um, but, but that's kind of like what you do, what you got to do. Um, and you know, that's why I got into podcasting because I actually am doing very, very well on the podcast side. And, you know, it's just interesting that in the podcast world, you're getting more, more, um, you know, funds than you do on your music side. (laughs) Right. Right. Isn't that funny? and you, yeah, you can you can do these podcasts, and you monetarily you're getting paid faster than the labor than than the, than the you know the the music system, the system of how right. bands get paid compared to the way podcasters get paid. We get paid faster. We get paid more often, and it's like you know okay, so well, that's why I'm doing it as like a side gig because it's actually more lucrative, and then it's fun. Um, but, right. but but it's like why can't music do the same thing? <laughs> I think it will. I think maybe, you know, we go through phases. I don't know. I think that right now everybody's in an information talking phase. You know, there's so many great, you know, podcasts or, you know, I think it's more information all the time, which is which has been entertainment for people right now, you know? Yeah, I, kind of might I don't see radio. a lot of my friends like <laughs> sit, sitting in the like I do, like sit on my like living room floor playing, you know, Records. an album at the, at the, at the, you know, well, my neighbors are saying, calling the landlord saying, you know, <laughs> this girl needs to stop. And I'm just sitting on the floor enjoying myself. But like, you know, I think that, um, I think that 
myself included, it, you know, inf- it's information always right now. It's constantly, you know, it's feeding, like a, our, feeding yeah. our soul where maybe music used to do. I don't know. It seems like maybe I'm wrong. Know, I mean, don't. It, you know, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like radio used to be like people listened listen to like radio plays, like the old Orson Welles like radio plays, and, right. and and because you know that made people feel comfortable and they can kind of kind of zone into it. It seems like podcasts like the new radio, um, yeah, where yeah. people can get into these. You know, some people are doing kind of like radio program type ones. You know, like little theater and people are doing interview shows and. And, you know, talking about different topics and people, you know, seem to be drawn to it, like talk radio. Um, and it's, it's, you know, maybe that's what people need. And that, that's interesting, but this, that's why I've been trying to integrate music into it, because I think that is a way to get the bands that, you know, music is like what I'm all about. So trying to help other bands has been my, my mission. <laughs> right. That's amazing. I love that. I really do. So, so. Are you thinking of, of working on another bigger, another project for this year? You said you before you're always like evolving. So you have another set of projects that you're working on right now? I do. Yeah. I won't say too much about it because I don't want to promise anything, but um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. So you are. So maybe, maybe if we do the, another show, we could do a video podcast uh, when that project, you know, reaches fruition Maybe maybe we could do uh, like a kind of premiere broadcast where we do a video. I would love that. That would be great. Video podcast version. Because then sometimes what we can do is you got like YouTube. We can kind of seg and and run to YouTube and talk talk about it on the video podcast. We have the ability to to actually play people's YouTube videos or the Vimeo videos or something. We can do that. Um, So, yeah, we could actually, you know, kind of premiere your stuff. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking to, you know, release in the next couple of months another one. So that would be amazing. Yeah, that to give us a chance to try that. We have tried it for our own stuff just to see what how it would work. Um, and so we, we've kind of kicked, you know, kicked the bugs out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we always try our own stuff first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, the, the work you're doing and we really like it. We think people should should check you out. We're going to cool thing about our podcast is we do have the hyperlinks um to your work so we will have your instagram link and your spotify link active on our and clickable and we are on 11 podcast platforms including spotify which we're part of anchor is actually part of spotify and uh we will this will be on apple it'll be on um anchor fm and it'll be on like other platforms as well like uh overcast and stitcher and in many, many more. So great, we'll, great. we'll send you the top links for like uh, Anchor, Apple, and Spotify. And we also have pretty cool integration with Instagram where we can create a highlight and that highlight will go directly to the Spotify version of this podcast. So that awesome. we, will, we will put that on our channel and then you can do take it as well and set it up on yours and it allows people to directly go right to the podcast oh yeah i'll definitely i'll check it out we'll we'll have that up within an hour okay cool yeah so we'll let you know but um yeah it's great having you on the show thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure yeah liza oppenheimer we thank you for being on the show and like everybody go to her spotify check it out you know make sure you download and listen 
and mm-hmm. forward and support the artists you love in this time. Do everything you can. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you very much for being on the program. Thanks.